Hello and welcome to another episode of Don't Worry, It's Not Just You. My name is Phoebe Paradise and I hope this email finds you well. I am a huge, huge fan of my next guest, Ben, and his show, Bunta Vista, the podcast. I'm so, so grateful that he took the time to come over to my place and chat this week. We had so much fun talking bulk trash about his past life as a freelancer, um, as a journalist and writer, and how that weird world of content farming not only informed the way that he runs his podcast, but also just how like the way we interact with the internet and selling stuff on the internet has changed so much as a result of it. Like the automation of content that has kind of made the internet like an ugly place <laughs> to navigate sometimes. We get into some you know, relatively heavy topics, but mostly I am just loudly cackling uh, for an hour and a half. So I apologize in advance for that. Um, <laughs> thank you so, so much for tuning in this week. And oh my God, a big special thank you and big wet kiss to my pal, Alistair Bates, for the new intro song. I love it. I love you. Thank you, Angel. I hope you enjoy this episode, gang. If you feel so inclined, please feel free to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening to this. I've got a bunch of new episodes coming soon with some really fun guests, and I cannot wait to share it with you. All right. Enjoy. I love you. Thanks again. joined by a man, podcast host, freelance writer, movie club runner, synthesizer enthusiast, cryptozoologist, Twitter user, Brisbane City enjoyer, and VHS collector. He's a very cool, very funny person who has spent a great deal of time writing things on the internet, and as a result, kind of has very little written about him on the internet. My guest has been described by former colleagues on LinkedIn.com oh, as a very talented developer who has a passion for elegant and extensible solutions. He will be an asset to any team that he joins. He's an asset to this podcast. It's passionate web developer Ben McClay from Butterfield. Oh, that's unbelievably fucking rude of you. It's a different time of my life, okay? Ben, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Oh, How are you? I'm great. <laughs> I'm um, so sorry for bringing out that LinkedIn. <laughs> I was literally trying to find, so like every guest that comes on, I dig out the most like lazy byline mm. from like content farms that can be dug out on the internet. And honestly, I haven't been able to find any on you oh, that felt right, that. you know? <laughs> uh, because like, well, as I was driving over here, I was like, 
all of the like bios or intros I've ever had for anything I've ever done, I have been asked to write myself. <laughs> so I was kind of hoping you'd pick one that I had done and then presented it as if it was shit. I was like so ready for it. I wasn't ready to insult you like straight off the bat, but I guess this may have ended up being more insulting. Oh, I can't. I keep wondering why I've not deleted my LinkedIn because I get fucking messages from recruiters all the time still. I haven't I worked bet. in development in like fucking, I don't know, six years or something and they're still like hey i've got a, a programming job going i'm like i do not want that i never want that again please i do want to ask like you know web development you're saying it's been six years since you had a about role that, like yeah, that so are you saying it's been about six years since you've had like a nine to five day job what made you throw away the glitz and glam of developing webs <laughs> Right, rude, but fair. Uh, I fucking hated it. But also, I am just like not... I've never really derived any sort of satisfaction from like having a proper job and I've never found it easy to consistently get out of bed to go to work five days a week. Uh, and then I had a friend recommend me for a writing job at Pedestrian while I was doing programming work and I was like, all right, well, this is going to be a pay cut of about... 70 percent uh <laughs> but i also will just get to write dumb shit on the internet for a couple of days a week and then i can probably figure out the rest and that seemed way more tempting to me so you had like a pretty decent job with superannuation and all that fun stuff and had you done writing before like did you go to uni or anything for it no uh i <laughs> i went to university to study software engineering and then got kicked out of my degree because I was getting all twos and ones in my subjects because I didn't go to anything. Uh, I was just rudely collecting Centrelink money without actually attending anything, which was a great lifestyle, but now I have a hex debt for nothing. I, I had like wanted to get into writing for ages and then never really found any specific... Like I, I, I still don't really know how you get into it other than I had a friend like ask me to do a sort of live comedy show thing where it was like pre-written comedic monologues or whatever and then a different friend saw me do that and was like hey I do uh comedy writing for the SBS as a freelancer we're looking for more people to do that do you want to do that so I did that the whole time that I had a programming job as well and then eventually that was enough to get me into pedestrian.tv which then wow did that for like four years and then I was like oh this is also too close to having a job for me I want something that's <laughs> less like having a job Man, yeah, basically. <clears throat> I know what you mean. And it's it's cool because, like, I, I know a lot of people that have done writing. I don't know many people that have done writing full time and that it's been, like, their entire thing for, what would you say, like, four years? Yeah. That? Yeah. So and I was only doing it three days a week, yeah. uh, which was sort of what I figured I could maybe stand of having a, a, a normal job with yeah. hours and things like having to provide medical certificates to get sick bay and things <laughs> of that nature. And it was good and bad. It is very fun being an environment where people are like, do you have a stupid idea or opinion or story from your own life and do you want to just go ham with it? Uh, which is quite good. But then also the flip side of that is writing for the internet is you have to churn out a bunch of shit you do not care about for an audience that also doesn't care about it but has been tricked by the headline into thinking that they might. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're like, is this an article or is this search engine optimization? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> like, fucking... And, and the period that I worked over there was when these sorts of businesses started flipping from caring about uh, Facebook to caring about SEO more because yep. the Facebook algorithm was starting to slowly sort of kill 
that like shareable clickbaity sort of stuff. And then they realized they built their whole uh, business model on that. And they're like, fuck, what else is there? SEO, baby, get to the top of like Google news or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. And then you're, you switch to this completely different style of writing, which is it doesn't really matter what the content is or the headline, as long as it like ticks the right buttons for these sort of third party apps that try and algorithmically figure out whether this is good for SEO or not. The keywords, yeah. They have to be spaced out evenly. It has to link to a certain number of articles, blah, 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 which is why every recipe looks the way it does because they're all people using the same WordPress plugin to be like, well, you need to start with three paragraphs of unrelated text and then have your keyword in there a couple of times or whatever. So you get all those stories of someone being like, well, my husband loves baked Alaska. <laughs> and this is why. Webster's Dictionary <laughs> defines baked Alaska as. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So how does it feel to have contributed to the death of the internet? Oh, man. <laughs> so bad. I think uh, I, I'm still lashing out about it at uh, <laughs> in a lot of ways because I know that that was me. That's what I was doing. Yeah, that's so, cool. The internet's just not good anymore. It's just... I. Got a fucking targeted ad on Facebook yesterday and then again today because I replied to it and that's on me uh, of like <laughs> a fucking service you can subscribe to that you give it some keywords and it just churns out a bunch of AI generated SEO complete text oh, for wow. you. So instead of paying people 10 bucks an article to be fake bloggers or whatever, you just get a machine to do it for you. And it's machines writing text to be read by machines. Yes. And it's so pointless. It's like an Ouroboros so like situation. That's really interesting you bring that up. I, like I've got a TikTok lined up for us later. That's like <laughs> a sentence I never thought I would say out loud. That, that is um, specifically about these teenagers that have made their millions doing content generation for Fiverr. So, you know, like, you know, the like yeah, you've yeah. heard of Fiverr, yeah. I'm like, aware of Fiverr. Yeah, it's like, uh, for anyone listening, it's kind of like Airtasker, but for, like, creative output. So you've got writers, you've got animators, illustrators, yada, yada. But there's this girl who's like, I'm 18 years old and I made my first 2 million writing um, product page descriptions on Fiverr. And, like, she's got these, like, subscription services. She writes ebooks and that kind of thing. And, like, watching her describe the job that she does and like you know she's kind of giving you tips and tricks on how to do that kind of thing she she's basically describing exactly what you're saying which is that the content does not matter at all you're basically just creating run-on sentences to fit in as many keywords (laughs) as possible but it's not even you know we're not even pretending that it's an article for example this is like oh we're just doing this to like boost boost the word count on your website like you're a teenager writing an essay at school or whatever you know, it's um, it's frightening. That shit depresses me so much. I'm so like, sorry. I mean, it's not on you. That's on the world. But just like this whole fucking. This is something I think about nearly every day. Is yeah. whether like you know, everyone, every generation lives their living, uh, believes they're living in like a time of big generational decline. Like fucking Socrates has a thing where he's being like, well, the next group of young people, they're very disrespectful of their elders, and this is the end of you know, yeah, like. Yeah. Everyone thinks that culture is getting devalued and that like, but I don't know. I feel like we might be right this time. I don't know. Hard to say. <laughs> but maybe this time it'll work for us. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Out of 25,000 generations, they've all been wrong. But uh, Perhaps. It, just, it feels so fucking empty. It feels very empty. Well, I think it. that you, you've nailed on the head before when you said that 
I think the thing that makes it feel so empty is that, you know, maybe with like past cultural moments where generations have gone, ah, oh, the kids have it wrong with this rock and roll. At least it was for somebody. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> wow. Like, yeah. where, like, whereas yeah. now what's happening is there's no one actually consuming any of this content. It is being tossed into the void yeah. of the internet. And then what comes back to us is Ghostbusters starring Paul Rudd. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? <laughs> like where, you know, a movie was written and chosen and selected to have the least risk to financial benefit outcome due to these keywords yeah. that were generated by Google, let's say. I mean, fuck, actually, I'm going down a rabbit hole a little bit here. But I, but like, huge agree. I, it, yeah. it bums me the fuck out. And so, like, one of the things that I really want to explore in this podcast is exactly this. Like when, you know, when there's no such thing as people reading articles, let's say, or really people consuming content, but there's never been more content creators and people who are now quitting their nine to five jobs to become content creators. Like when does that bubble kind of burst? Yeah. (laughs) The, the, you know, this is probably a weird example and I, have no idea why this is the first one that popped into my mind but like you know how with OnlyFans, it's like a thing that people will put in their bios or whatever wherever they're advertising it that they're in the top x percent of whatever which like the friends that i've known that have done OnlyFans or people that i've known that have done it it seems like universally all of those people are in the top sort of one to two percent which if my representative sample is that 100% of the sample is in the top 2% of the group, it means there's essentially got to be like a dark matter equivalent of like people that have tried this, but it's not doing anything. You know, you only see the ones that people see, which is obviously a truism, but like, but that's kind of got to be true of everything, right? Like the, the Patreon for the podcast that I do, we make an amount of money where we can pay ourselves to do it, which is an aberration, you know, for like for 90% of people that do this, that whatever magic it is that takes it for the coincidence of enough people finding it to be a critical mass for it to get out there or whatever. It's just not happening. Most people are out there getting like a hundred bucks a month or whatever. And like the dream is to do something like that. But obviously everyone wants that because that is the dream. You're making your own content. I can't even believe I use the fucking word content. I know. So I I realize it's such a filthy word to use because content is yeah just like this catch-all phrase for creation (laughs) i saw fucking someone share the work of an artist they like the other day on twitter where they were like oh he you know he makes just the most beautiful content and i was like no (laughs) but the the artist shared that they retweeted that post i was like surely don't you feel that like this was a a, like a digital painter type guy like surely you would see the word content and be like, that is not. It's like a knife in your heart. Yeah. yeah. It's absolutely a bore the word, but I'm yet to find a word that per- more perfectly describes what you're sort of relegated to as an artist. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where like the fact that as someone who wants to make art, you know, has like a story they want to tell. We're all making very important art here, guys, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But in order to do so and like functionally continue to produce art or like create it, you do need to turn it into a product. Yeah. And so that sort of midway point between product and just creation, that's where you find content, baby. And it it sucks. (laughs) (laughs) It sucks. I I wonder about that for like a lot of different mediums. Like, uh, I mean, visual art is a great example of that, at least for a podcast. 
it kind of just is content. It's just because every week we produce two hours of stuff. Uh, you can pay for it one of those hours if you want extra stuff, whatever. Like yeah. you, we are just making something, and it's a very transactional. We make it, you pay for it, and you get exactly the thing that you paid for. I have friends that are like visual artists who have Patreons where you can be like, oh, but you can sign up to my Patreon to support me. But the ways that you can provide value for that are quite amorphous. Like what's the pay $5 a month to look at an extra picture that I've done that no one else will see? You know, like it's a little more, probably more indicative of what the actual relationship of a patron on patreon is which is just i want to give you money to keep doing the thing you're doing like so many of our patreon supporters do not listen to the podcast at all at this point they just like sometimes will listen to the free episodes don't listen to the bonus episodes it's more of just saying we like what you do keep doing it but all the people i support on uh patreon like there's the canadian band no joy that i love very much uh support them on patreon i think i've looked at like two posts that they've done because i just kind of forget that i I'm giving them money, but I'm happy to because I like what they do. And that seems like a more, I don't know, a more honest version of that relationship, maybe. I agree. I think Patreon has been like a really interesting way for fans of things to feel supportive without necessarily taking part in like the circle of merchandising that happens with everything, you know, um, that we're all guilty of. But like, what's five bucks? I support a bunch of artists and podcasts, so I'm a Bunta Vista subscriber, outed. uh, But yeah, even if you don't necessarily, you know, absorb every inch and try to scrounge as much value as you can out of the Patreon, like that's, I mean, that's where it is just nice, (laughs) I think. Incidental, like the, I think maybe the only podcast I support on Patreon, actually, uh, my favorite podcast in the world, Uh, Yeah Dude, where their model is... Every episode they do is free, except if you subscribe on Patreon, uh, I think you get access to merch early and you can see a video version of the episode, which once every couple of months, I will be like very stoned at home and be like, I'm going to watch five video episodes while you're dude. <laughs> you're like, me and my friends are going to hang out yeah. together. <laughs> but otherwise, I never engage with it. I could very happily just be like, you know what, for the next 10 years, I'm going to give them $5 a month and I'm not going to think about it because that's what I want. I love what they do. Yeah. They don't have ads, so there's no other way they're making income off it. So, great. great. Let them have my money. That's Fuck fantastic. Yeah. I mean, what am I going to do with it? Nothing. No, but I, <laughs> I'll buy one extra coffee. Yeah. Like, that's it. And I'll, I'm still going to buy the coffee. Do you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah, so, like, one time of the month, I'll start walking to the cafe and be like, no, I've already spent that one. Not today. The take a look around pod boys have that one for me. <laughs> um, I would actually love to ask you, I guess, um about the podcast more generally, like to give the elevator pitch, if you could. Sure. Although I would like to preface this by saying that if I was doing an elevator pitch, it wouldn't be with the express idea of getting someone to be interested in it. Uh, (laughs) You're like, I'm not trying to sell anyone anything right now. It's it's not a podcast that you can sell to people, I don't think. Like, uh, So we started out as a a left-wing politics podcast uh, where we're talking about Australian politics from the perspective of some left-wing people where it was, you know, meant to be a comedy podcast ostensibly, but we were angry about stuff that was happening in Australian politics and talking about it and reading a lot of news stories about political developments, what have you. And then after like two years of doing that, 
we just had sort of scope creep of being like, we had added in these like fun little side segments, like because the apartment that I lived in at the time was full of geckos, we would occasionally do Nature Corner, which was if we audibly heard a gecko in my apartment, we would talk about it. (laughs) Uh, And then from then we started including just sort of completely politics unrelated stories about weird animal stories or whatever. And then uh, after a while we were like, oh, this is a more fun and of more value to people. Uh, And then uh, out of actually a similar frustration to my anger at algorithms and analytics and digital content on the internet where there are 25,000 digital outlets and 50 million podcasts, but they all cover the same like five stories of the week that have sort of become memes. I was sick to fucking death of that. So I was like, well, what if we talk about dumb news, but news that is so low stakes, it wouldn't have been covered on another podcast, talked about to death in the media. So like constantly we get people sending in suggestions for stories where I'm like, no, but you've seen it, which means that it's no longer, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't fit the bill anymore, it's out. Yeah, it's, like if it, if it makes it to the kind of trending page on Twitter, then yeah, we absolutely done. don't want to hear about it. We want like the kind of forgotten Yeah, if Vice wrote segments. about it, it's out. You know, yeah, like, totally. so now I just spend a lot of time uh, reading a bunch of like small town American newspapers yeah. and a few other different places, uh, research orgs that publish like the media releases from universities and stuff. So just trying to look for things that are like interesting, but not interesting enough that everybody else has got into them. So it's <laughs> low stakes news is kind yeah. of what we're looking for. And uh, the first and only opinion on a story that no one will have read. Kind yeah. of thing. Like, I mean, I found one today where I was just like, I'm worried that between me adding it to the notes and us recording, people are going to start talking about it. I'm like, yes. that's, I just don't want that. I don't want to be part of like the same content churning machine that does the same. And like everyone, I think even if people don't realize it, we all preform opinions about stuff as well. And yep. the same talking points that like, I will see a silly news story and then I will talk to some friends about it and they will make exactly the same jokes as the like topical tweets or memes I've seen about it where I'm like, we're all ingesting the same stuff and we're all just having the same conversations over and over again. And I'm tired of that. That contributes to Ghostbusters 2 starring Paul Rudd coming to cinema. Exactly. Yeah, I keep going back to this, but it, that's it, how it happens. I saw this great quote about you guys, about Bunta Vista, that was talking about Lucy and you specifically, who Lucy is a writer as well. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You guys are both trying to fight against a system like you'd cut your teeth in, which was that kind of content generation like world where you're like, basically by its nature, it feels like Bunta Vista. It's like a parody of a news site in a way. Do you (laughs) know what I mean? In some ways we've got like the kind of campy like segues between the segments, the um, intros, the way that you guys talk about these news stories comparable to your pedestrian TVs and like that it comparable in the way that you're sort of lampooning it a little bit do you know what I mean without actively trying I think it's just trying so hard to avoid doing that that you end up being like one of our segments the shipping report is literally the international shipping news with zero jokes added into it because it is so much funnier to me to be like well no one else is doing this what do we think about this and then you know along the way we hear the funny names of some ships 
we end up Googling some stuff because we're like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. And that is a world that is genuinely interesting to me. Yeah. Like, There's no context as well. It's no. just this kind of headline, like massive cruise liner crashes into seawall or whatever. Yeah. And then it's like, that's the headline. No deaths. That's the whole thing. Um, no like, deaths. No yeah, deaths. No deaths. Um, and then like, <laughs> you're just kind of left listening to this deadpan retelling of a story with zero context. Uh, actually, this is from an episode ages ago where the thing we ended up, we were talking about how the Netherlands has a very specific problem where at New Year's people just light enormous fires <laughs> and like people get sent to hospital at an enormous rate. We were reading an article where they were breaking down where in the Netherlands this happens and there was like a throwaway line in there where they're like, the former island of Urk. And they're like, what do you mean the former? <laughs> what the fuck are you talking Sorry, about? I'm going to need you to explain that one for me. And then, you know, that's 15 minutes right there of being like, what the fuck does that mean? And looking into that and talking about that where it's like, yeah, obviously everyone's done the same jokes about Ghostbusters 2 starring Paul Rudd. What other podcast is doing stories about uh, <laughs> the former island. island of Urk having the bit that separated it from the mainland getting filled in sometime in the 50s, turning it into part of the mainland? Is it just called Urk now? It's just called Urk, and it, which is the other thing that the phrasing really intrigued me because if it happened in the 50s, which you don't have to say that 70 years ago it was an island in your story that's about something completely different, you could just say Urk. But, now uh, it's just Prince again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> The island formerly known as Urk, which is now still known as Urk, but no longer an island. <laughs> Fuck it. We're not even going to call it Urk anymore. It's just like a three page explainer like on the map. <laughs> well, comma. Um, I love that. That's such a good description of the pod. Podcast boom happened like we're talking 2015. Yeah. Yeah. Around that, so it, so you guys would have, I guess, like started up around that time, but there wasn't really that many Australian podcasts doing well. No, which I think was kind of so. Uh, Andrew, uh, who I do the podcast with, the podcast was his idea, uh, and I think he had sort of seen the success of like left wing comedic podcasts in America, like Chapo Trap House, yeah, and he had been like, "Well, oh, fuck, we could do that." So he just asked. A, a disparate group of people that he knew, which at the time was actually just me and Lucy. Uh, and we're like, yeah, fuck, all right, that sounds all right. And so he was doing all the production, the research and everything and like, we're like joking about being like, well, you know, maybe we'll end up being one of those ones that actually pulls in a bit of money. And we're like, haha, that'll never happen. Yeah, it just kind of worked for us. You know, we've got, a, we already kind of knew who the, we're like friends, I guess, with a lot of the people that would be an audience or something like that. Yeah. And it didn't really exist at the time. And now there's a bunch of, uh, Similar sort of Australian left-wing podcast that actually do a very good job of talking about politics like that yeah. in ways that we wanted to do but were not smart enough to do. Right. And we all had full-time jobs at the time as well. So, like, there's yeah. that thing of being, like, you don't have the mental energy to come up with an opinion on something different to the opinions you've already seen expressed, <laughs> which is why I kind of thought it was a waste of time. Yeah. I, well, so, okay, out of, out of the four of you, so it's you, Lucy, Andrew, and Theo, mm -hmm. is everyone working day jobs as uh, well as podcasting? Or have we all quit and we're Theo and Andrew... Both definitely still have full-time jobs and yeah. very young children that they're raising. Uh, Lucy just uh, quit a full-time job because she fucking hated it there, but is seemingly looking for another one. Yeah. But our pay structure is sort of set up that uh, I get paid twice as much as everyone else so that I don't have to have a real job, which I do. I just choose to. <laughs> 
And so I imagine, like, with that comes you sort of take over the editing and, like, the research and stuff. So basically everything except the graphic design, which is all Andrew, who is a graphic designer by trade. Yeah, right. But, yeah, I basically just, we get around to recording time and then I show them a bunch of stuff they've hopefully not seen before. And then, yeah, it's it's an arrangement that works quite well. Like I, I really didn't anticipate it would get to this point that it would support anyone at all. Like eventually I was getting so sick of doing content farming that Andrew was just like, well, we could just sort of rejig our whole income structure so that you could just quit. And I was like, oh no, that won't be financially stable enough. And now I'm like, that's the most financially stable part of my income. Everything else, like through COVID, for example, like my other jobs are in hospitality. It's either events for Netherworld or bartending at scratch. And then the whole world shut down. And so I didn't get any money from that. But podcasting sure kept going. I mean, how was that for you during COVID? Uh, I mean, that was actually kind of the thing that made us stop being a politics podcast more or less was just like (laughs) COVID started and then, you know, everyone was fucking depressed and listless because it was a terrifying fucking weird time where everyone was sitting at home and miserable, weren't around their friends, didn't know what to do, didn't know what was going to happen. And then we were trying to like muster the energy and the, the enthusiasm to talk about stuff that just made us even angrier and more upset and then we're like yeah this fucking sucks man why are we doing this this was sort of like the full-time job for you guys yeah that i mean those guys all had like they were just started working from home with their jobs but i had literally nothing else to do so i was like all right i'm just throwing myself into like like all i was doing at the time was we were doing uh like online versions of our um the the two-bit movie club stuff i do for netherworld once a week uh, just because it was an excuse to get out of the house and go use the streaming equipment at Netherworld. And then other than that, it was just the podcast. I was like, oh, I could probably put more hours into this. Um, I think it is time for us to <laughs> delve into the weird and wild world of uh, the internet. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's good to be uh, like a student in this crazy <laughs> thing we called life. <laughs> And you have the internet as our teacher. I digress. It's time to watch some terrible TikToks. Oh, great. Here's how I make nearly $1,000 a month in passive income as a 14-year-old. Listen, I've had three business lunches today. I did a lot of typing. I am exhausted. All you have to do is join me live tonight right here on TikTok. Here's how I'm making seven figures even when I'm sitting in bed with COVID. Making $3,000 a week on this one simple thing. Make up to $400 per hour speaking. I'm about to share something with you, something small that changed my life forever. And This is the key. You are about you to, are hear, about the to hear the number one cheat code to life. So this first TikTok I'm going to show you is, I think, just kind of like to get us into the mood of the thing. So we're learning how to become successful freelancers, like... I want to try and create a successful podcast. Like, you know, I've got the best of the best here with me as a guest. Absolutely. But, you know, we've also got the sum total of all human knowledge in our <laughs> pockets. So, like, why not learn from the best of the best on the internet as well? You've got the Library of Alexandria on TikTok. <laughs> exactly. You are the main character. I wake up every single morning and I look in the mirror and I repeat this mantra. It's good for the plot. It's good for the plot. Depressed. This is your movie. And yes, there will be setbacks. But tomorrow's a new day. So make it a good one. 
Ben, could you please describe what you're seeing for us? I would love to. Um, so that was a, a, a person getting to a uh, mid-80s low-budget convertible, but also in a dimly lit room talking directly to camera, dressed as Ellen Ripley specifically. <laughs> what does that person do? What mm. are they talking about? What is mm. the hustle there? Mm. So we've got a person who is staring deadpan into the camera whilst they've edited together this, like, film? Yeah. Trailer? Yeah. <laughs> like uh, a trailer for your whole life? It feels like maybe that would have been something you would have cast Tom Cruise in, maybe. Mm-hmm. Had a vague, although that might just be because the aviators they were wearing at some point. In the, yeah, yeah. Also, they have a You Are the Main Character bumper sticker on the back of that the shitty convertible they were driving. I, like, that sort of generic hustle advice mm. where it's just like every day you got to be out there on your grind but like i look at something like that and my reaction is just like about what what are you grinding what i saw was you like driving off in a car i don't understand what the what's the product here like what, yeah. what are you trying to sell what what are we motivating toward to, to do yeah to do what like let's say you do get on that grind I have a, a, a gut instinct mm. that a lot of all of this sort of hustle stuff and like, you know, what we're saying about how everyone kind of wants that dream of like getting paid through Patreon or whatever to do the thing that they want to do because everyone wants to escape capitalism, essentially. Mm. Like mm-hmm. they want to escape normal life. Normal life is you have a 40 hour a week job that you fucking hate but it pays the bills, but you feel empty and horrible. You're sick of being told what to do. You're sick of spending every beautiful summer's day inside on a spreadsheet or whatever. Yeah. So like the, the gut, the instinct to want to leave that, to want to do something on your own terms, something creative, something fulfilling, yeah. that's a good, healthy response to it. But unfortunately, the way that that comes out is millions of 19-year-olds being like, every day I'm hustling. And you're like, what are you doing? What though? are we doing? I, I want that for you as well, but it's got to be something specific. <laughs> It's just, I don't know. It's very upsetting to me. Every time I see something like that and I go to hate the person, I'm like, no. No, no, no. I hate life as You're it is currently You're a product of your environment. Yeah. It's not really your fault, even though I don't like you. Yeah. But then they end up as these people that are like, they, you know, are setting themselves up as a vague aspirational figure. It makes me kind of think a little bit of like uh, the very 90s thing to have these touring guys that would be like, they sold a ton of VHSs and they... Mm-hmm sold conferences where they'd tell people in the American Midwest, here's how you become a millionaire by being a day trader. But it's very obvious that that person is actually rich from selling the tapes selling and from VHS doing the conferences. Tapes. You know, they're not selling, yeah, they're not selling anything. Like they're not teaching you how to do anything because the way they got where they are is by the teaching itself. Absolutely. Yeah, there's nothing there. They're like, yeah, there's, there's an emptiness there, an emptiness of the soul. Yeah, we've, we've found a lot of those today, haven't mm. we? <laughs> It's a horrible life. <laughs> so I've got another one for you that Fantastic. I think you'll like. Um, that's kind of similar in the vein to this. So it's um, I'll 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 let you I'll let you enjoy this one. I woke up this morning, man. After about two hours sleep, working all night long. Tired, man. Saturday, a lot of my friends at the beach and shit. I'm in here. <laughs> nope. Do I want to be here? Not really, man. You know, all at the beach. Having a good time. Would I rather be at the beach? Sure. But what is even better than being at the beach? Is driving home to your beach fucking house. I'm putting in the time now. 
so that when I want to go to the beach, I just open my fucking front door. <laughs> okay, well that... How does that make you feel? It makes me deeply upset. Uh, also, is this... I, I, I think I just need to know from my own mind. Uh, is that from the 90s or has it been... Is there a filter on there to make it look like it's from the 90s? I need to know. Yeah, it's it's been put through one of those... Um, uh, pay-to-play filter yeah. apps. Yeah, two ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, They yeah. keep billing you every six days. Yeah, that's it. Uh, okay, so that was a very muscular, annoyed-looking man who is describing how he doesn't want to have fun now because he might have fun later. On is, the verge of tears. Oh, my God. Like, the whole video, he's like, okay, so he's buff white guy yeah. in the gym. Mm-hmm. I imagine he's got his friend to film him. Hey, bro, I've had some thoughts. Can you just whip your camera out real quick for me? Hey, bro, mind if I wax lyrical for a moment? <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's just been working out and he is saying, he's telling a, a sad story about how all of his friends are going to the beach without him. Awful, yeah. Nightmare. I mean, I, I get it. Like, you know, not being invited to stuff sucks. Um, hey, there's only so many seats in a regular car, so, like, you can't take it personally, you know. I mean, yeah, like, you're just one of the odd ones out, like, in a car of five. Sure, you're not in their top four picks of people that they would bring, but, you know, you can't take that personally. You're second tier. We're, we're all second tier you're to fifth someone. best friend, you know, and that's good enough sometimes. It's yeah. okay. Um, he's at the gym having a fucking terrible time, and he's complaining that his friends have all gone to the beach without him. But plot twist when he's rich from working out when he becomes rich and famous from going to the gym with his loser friend <laughs> who also wasn't invited to the beach no. by the way um then he will have a beach house and none of those guys will be invited to his baller beach house that he will have no friends to invite to. And conveniently, he'll be able to step onto the beach. So that'll save him mm-hmm. some time yeah. in the future. Yeah. I just, yeah, we've sold people on this idea that, like, uh, immense personal sacrifice is how you get to comfort and not the idea that, like, say, having a job where you don't work as many hours and you make a little bit less money, but you get to maybe go to the beach with your friends sometimes, yeah. you know. Maybe that's like a nice alternative. Have a little more ownership of your time. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so weird. And people buy this shit up so, like, readily that they're just like, it validates their whole life. And it's like through whole stratas of society. It's like business guys who convince themselves that, like, spending seven hours a day in the office doing nothing, like just dicking around, but because they're there lots, they think they've done lots of work. Yeah. To people that have retail jobs that are like, well, I just did 20 hours of overtime, uh, which means my life is hell. But because I'm on that grind, you know, I'm going to be able to get this thing. Yeah. Where you're like, what? Where you're like, no, all of this is fake. Well, yeah, that's it. It's it's like this kind of uh, line that's used to justify your existence, not that it has any actual like applicable yeah use, right? So it's like, yeah, it doesn't matter that I don't have any friends. It's just because I work so hard. You're that's... recontextualizing your problems into things you're doing on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, uh, no, it's not that I have a shitty personality and I push everyone away from me. It's that I am such a hard worker. Also, just woken up from two hours of sleep. That's, no. I mean, come on. You need six to seven. Like, you probably don't do that. My guy, it's not sustainable. <laughs> like, three years ago, 
uh, Mark Wahlberg <laughs> posted to his Instagram a timeline of his average day. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is the fucking best. Right, so 2.30 a.m., wake up. <laughs> Off to a great start. <laughs> 2.45, prayer time. Uh, that goes for half an hour until 3.15, breakfast. Five minutes for breakfast. 3.44, sorry, 3.40 to 5.15, workout. 5.30, post-workout meal. 6 a.m., shower which takes an hour and a half uh, until 7.30 a.m. golf, 8 a.m. snack, 9.30 a.m. cryo chamber recovery, <laughs> 10.30 snack, uh, 11 a.m. family time meetings slash work calls, <laughs> 1 p.m. lunch, 2 p.m. meetings, work calls, 3 p.m. pick up kids, 3.30 snack, 4 p.m. workout number two, 5 p.m. shower, 5.30 dinner, 7.30 bedtime. Fuck. A 7.30 bedtime. <laughs> okay, like here's my suggestion, Mark <laughs> Wahlberg. Why don't you go to bed at 10 and wake up at like 5 or 6 instead of... Waking up in the middle of the night yeah. to pray to God. Just shift your schedule just a couple of hours back. You do not need to be starting your workout at 2.30 in the morning. That is obscene. It is like... It's not like he's having a longer day. No. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, at two to seven. himself nothing. Like the only time I've ever had schedules like that have been for jobs where, oh, you need to be in there for five hours before the shop opens. So that's yeah. why you've got to wake up that early. That, you start your workout at like eight. Like you don't need to start your workout at 2.45. 5 a.m. club, baby. What's wrong with that? That's obscene, 2.45. Like the idea of Mark Wahlberg waking up in an empty mansion in the dead of night (laughs) to pray, (laughs) to sit and pray silently. (laughs) It's not the the bit from like No Country for Old Men where he just wakes up in the fucking middle of the (laughs) night and he's like, nah, got to do it. That's Mark Wahlberg. Lying dead awake, he's like, got to start working out. No choice. Oh, fuck. I actually have to have a counterpoint of that for you, which is Grimes did one. Holy fuck. Which one? Yeah, here we go. You're going to love this. Oh, this is fun. I get to do the girl one. (laughs) Men be like this. Women be like this. Um, But I bet you the common ground will be the cryo chamber. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) Where the sexes meet in the middle. (laughs) Dress as an 18th century duke, crawl into a cryo chamber. Thank you, Grimes. Replaces fingernails. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, So it's not like a blow by blow. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll at least give you the greatest hits. So... My training is a 360 approach. I first maintain a healthy cellular routine where I maximize the function of my mitochondria with supplements <laughs> such as NAD+, acetyl L-carnitine, oh Jesus, magnesium, etc. This helps promote ATP and it's incredibly visceral. From that point, <laughs> incredibly I spend, visceral. I mean it's so visceral. <laughs> You guys won't believe how visceral my fucking multivitamin routine is. It is verging on too visceral. (laughs) I spend two to four hours in my deprivation tank. Um, This allows me to... Every day? This allows me to astroglide to other dimensions. It doesn't... 
past, present and future. Oh, come on now. In the afternoons, I do a one to two hour sword fighting session with my trainer. Fuck off. Um, we go over fundamentals that works. The obliques, core stabilizers, triceps, as well as a few tricks. Um, but I then spend 45 minutes stretching before heading into the studio where my mind and body are functioning at peak level with a neuroplastic goal between 57.5 and 71.5. None of those words, well, which is my preferred range for blood. Um, Oh, of course. Uh, Suddenly those numbers make sense now. (laughs) My range for blood. blood numbers. Yeah. It's what my blood prefers. Um, oh, yeah, I have also eliminated all blue light from my vision through an experimental surgery that removes the top film of my eyeball and replaces it with an orange ultraflex polymer that my friend and I made in this lab this past winter as a means to cure seasonal depression. <sighs> like, there's simply no way that that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I fucking, I can't... I used to have an absolutely enormous crush on this woman, yeah, as, yeah. like, everyone did, because yeah. she... Like, in interviews from, like, 10 years ago, she's so fucking funny. Like, she has a very good, like, sense of, I don't know. I don't know. And and you would assume that there would be a sense of humor about this, about claiming to someone that you spend three hours a day astral projecting, two hours sword fighting, you had experimental surgery to have your eyes changed, like the guy from Chronicles of Riddick. Riddick, I believe his name is. (laughs) Yes, Alvin. (laughs) Like, fucking... But, like, you would be like... If someone I met said that to me, I'd be like, you are joking and that's cool as shit or you're mm-hmm. serious and that's cool as shit. But yeah. her relationship with Elon Musk has demonstrated that she has the cringiest sense of humor in the world. If you can put up with that man and yeah. his awful like nerd meme bullshit, yeah. clearly you don't have as much self-awareness as I as I'm, I thought. I'm picturing her doing this interview with J- GQ with like Invader Zim playing in the background. Oh, like 100%. And she's like sitting on a chair weird, like weird kid at school. She's like golem crouching on a chair facing backwards. You've heard of Girl Boss. Now, now welcome to Girl Goblin. Oh, <laughs> it's just. And these are like the two poles of like psychotic hustle culture, yeah. right? Where like. You know, Mark Wahlberg is like, well, I'm just going to, you know, if I get up early enough, if if I pray to God enough and work out enough and eat enough like salmon, then I've like fixed it. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to science the shit out of this. Like, we just like need to throw more money at it and then you can be as like optimal as possible, yeah. you know, like an optimized human. I'm going to become a post-human by doing sensory deprivation two to four hours a day, which yeah. no one has that amount of time. Like, not even Grimes has that much spare time. Surely. No, there's not enough time in the day. So, well, this, I feel, ties in really nicely to, like, uh, old mate Jim guy that we just watched on yeah. TikTok because it is about the, like, the deprivation of life yeah. that makes you worthwhile. You know what I mean? Like, in all, like, the common theme in all of these is, like, what have I sacrificed? And it is the choice of what you've sacrificed that makes you the most unique and the most, like, fucking workable The more precious it is. Like, ultimately, over the the, the course of the human experience, Mm -hmm. the single most precious thing that we have is connection to the people around us. That is the thing that the guy has been like, oh, I've given up that. (laughs) That's not for me. Like, that's all we've got. That's literally everything. No, 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 no. No, going to the gym. 
What he doesn't understand is that the beach house is worth nothing unless you have people to put in it. What are you going to do? Right? You can go for two swims and then you're going to sit in your beach house by yourself. And have you like, ever tried swimming in a pool by yourself? It's boring. You run out of things it's to do so real quick. It's so boring. Yeah. You've like, you're just sitting there like fucking generating a UTI in real time. Yeah. <laughs> just watching like, that bar go up. <laughs> watching Watching your mana bar, like, just disappear. <laughs> just start to edge it. I'm at 97% UTI. Oh, out of the pool. Oh, time to get out. Back oh, in. my God. Here's another kind of generic hustle one for you. Um, starring the original hustle king himself, Mark Zuckerberg. Oh, no. Facebook wasn't the first thing I built. I also built chat systems and games, study tools and music players, and I'm not alone. J.K. Rowling got rejected 12 times before she finally wrote and published Harry Potter. Even Beyonce had to make hundreds of songs to get Halo. The greatest successes come from having the freedom to fail. Questions? Uh, the, the, the types of internet that I consume, if I mm. see a video of Mark Zuckerberg talking, it is generally being played for comedy. Yes. <laughs> to see that in a context where someone was like, this is inspirational, mm-hmm. hilarious. Because he's not a very competent speaker and he's no. weird and he alienates anyone that looks at him. Complete fucking freak of nature. Just, Just... not right. <laughs> not right. Also, the like weird fucking... Angus and Julia Stone shit playing in the background <laughs> there. Just an odd mix. Yep. Like, the the idea that Mark Zuckerberg is being used as a inspirational tool yeah. in 2021. This video was posted, like, a week ago or whatever. <laughs> and, and it's like, Mark Zuckerberg, who has famously, like, destroyed modern civilization, like, just yep. is, like... Couple of pivotal moments in human history probably went the way they were only meant to go in the bad universe because of that man. One hundred percent. The fact that he uses J.K. Rowling as an as an example yeah, of this like, famous turf. <laughs> yeah, this this famous successful girl boss turf, um, like richer than God. And then he goes, Beyonce wrote a bunch of failed songs before Halo. Yeah, had to have hundreds of songs before Halo. Like Which came out in 2009. Imagine living in a universe where you don't think Beyonce wrote a good song until 2009. And also the idea that, like, this, yeah, the songs before then, even if you go, like, oh, all of those were duds, this yeah. one was very successful, the idea of it being not, like, a cumulative thing of you working up a mm. catalogue of music, but of just being, like, no, every song you do that isn't a mega hit <laughs> is bad. And when I first listened to it, I thought he meant that she'd made the game. I, that was also, I saw that word pop up and I was like, I don't, did you confuse? Yeah, he thinks that she did the like, the, the like operatic singing at the beginning of Halo. So these ones are a little more, um, I guess, relevant to your career. Oh, this is going to get worse, isn't it? This is, uh, we're delving into the wonderful world of how to become a millionaire, while podcasting. Great. I have always wondered about that. Mm-hmm. I could do with a few extra $100,000 million. <laughs> Can't be all. Here are the five ways you can monetize your podcast. You can get a sponsor like Sarlo Rugby sponsored my podcast. 
It's very easy. Just call them up. Call any business, actually. Call them up and go, hey, do you want to sponsor a podcast? And work out a deal that way. You can make some big money doing it that way. Affiliate marketing. This is it. Just screen capture this, and this will teach you how you can do affiliate marketing. Affiliate marketing is you just share a link, and if anybody buys from that, the company pays you. It's really easy. A lot of comp- a lot of YouTubers use it, so you can use it too. Another way, just flipping around just because, just finish an interview, is you can use it for lead generation. What I mean by lead gen is you invite your prospective client, if you have a business or a service that you sell, onto your podcast, and you have them tell you their problems and you solve it and then they you book them for a free call afterwards. It's what I did with a digital entrepreneur podcast. Another way you can make money is by selling products. I actually bought this off of a podcast called Krill's Clubhouse. He was saying that you can buy his merch. He has a lot of stuff. Linda Feingold if you want. And you can buy a whole bunch of stuff and that's how he made his money by selling products. Lloyd Ross, my amazing million millionaire money invest uh, mentor, sells his book and then upsells it to a master class if you want to learn how to make more money investing <laughs> so you can do products that works as well the other way pretty much everybody heard of it is patreon or buy me a coffee or you know apple subscriptions if you have a subscription-based podcast that worked for you and a lot of people make a lot of money but it takes time but if you do it properly and you provide great services and products in that patreon you can make a lot of money now those are the five different ways you can make money podcasting okay well i'm gonna start with the i have two points please gonna start with the second most important one yeah which is that he's not a particularly capable speaker and he fucks up on nearly every single one of those line reads but kept those takes Mm. <laughs> uh, but the, I think the most crucial point is uh, the sentence, you can make money by selling products. Incredible. Yep. Mm-hmm. The product is a painting of uh, Mickey Mouse with a raging erection. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, put, I'll put a clip of this guy's TikTok up on the Instagram so you guys can see. Exactly what, like, this guy's room looks like that meme of, like, name one thing in this photo. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, like, he just keeps pointing the camera at different parts of the room, wildly, like, flinging the the camera around. It's a lot of movement, and he's yelling at you while he's doing it as well. he's sweating. He's like, bright red, sweating. Like, (laughs) I feel like I'm being attacked. This is like someone bailing you up at, like, a bar where sometimes a drunk person will sit at your table. Mm Mm-hmm like a complete stranger and just mm. start talking and you're like, oh, here we go. Yeah, yeah. You humour them for a bit then eventually you're like, they overstay oh, their welcome it's a, a crank. Bit. Here yeah. we fucking go. That's what <laughs> this guy is doing but very aggressively. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, again, what is the, like the product is you can make money from podcasting mm-hmm. but not really being like, None of this is about making a podcast people would like to listen to. <laughs> it's not about anything. No. All of these TikToks that I've queued up are like, their podcasts are about the business of making a business, about how to start a podcast, or about how to do affiliate marketing, or how to do yeah. search and like Affiliate no- marketing for what? What is the thing? What are you, like, you know, yeah. Exactly. It's like this complete, like... there's just no like there's no answers and I'm so glad that you kind of understand this well because I watch these TikToks and I feel insane like I feel fucking insane because I'm like that 
like there's no one paying for this content. There's no one listening to it. There's also no one buying any of the stuff that they're selling because there isn't anything for them to sell in the first place. Yeah. So it's just this like... Like this is the all the, the complaints I have about digital media writing the same articles, but for <laughs> SEO, the reason they exist is because they get money from advertisers who mm. sell ads on the website for people that will never click on those ads. No one is clicking on them. No one yeah. is buying the thing at the other end. This is a whole cycle of pointlessness for nothing and it's consuming trillions of man hours it like it makes me just they and generating fake jobs as well so yeah. one of the things that used to drive me crazy this is like a little tangent um when i first started my fashion label is i used to get contacted by these publications that were like hey we're a fashion magazine we would really love to write an article about you and i was like fuck yeah thank you so much i would love for you to write an article about me let me know if there's anything you need from me Information-wise, stupid me, of course. They were like, great, well, here's our package. Yeah. Um, so it'll cost you $300 for a quarter page. It'll cost you $1,500 for a full page, whatever. And I was like, I love that you think I can afford that. Um, <laughs> I, I really appreciate that you think I have that kind of money. So, like, that feels good, but absolutely not. And then in the package that they send through, they go, oh, well, like, I mean, the returns on investment are insurmountable. Like, we have found labels that have taken part in our content packages, you know, their sales have gone up, they've got way more eyes on them. But not only that, we have this huge Instagram following, we've got this huge, like, this is our readership, this is how many people click through to our website, this kind of thing. But all of those were bought followers. Yeah. All of those clicks were, like, fucking robot clicks and people that have already paid for it. And so... I was like, well, of course I'm never going to do this because none of, like, I'm not getting any new followers because the followers that you have are bots anyway. Yeah. So, like, who who is being serviced here? It's all for Nobody. nothing. <laughs> Nobody's <laughs> it, It's enough to drive you insane. Like, it's I feel just, crazy. <laughs> it's just this fucking absurd cycle of just, like, People with office jobs moving numbers around while, like, tens of thousands of dollars is passing between all these people and, like, for what? Just disappears. It's, yeah, like, which is why I'm so glad we don't, like, as a podcast have to deal with doing ads or anything like that. Yeah. Like, we had, I got an email from fucking, like, obviously it's, like, mass sent out. They just find podcasts Mm. and they say, hey, you're in the top 1% of podcasts. Yeah. We'll pay you to put an ad on. And they're just, like... We'll pay you $500 to run this ad at the start of your podcast. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't know what your fucking service is. I don't want you like, it's clearly worth more than $500 to you. Otherwise, you wouldn't be mass emailing out an offer of $500 to like a ton of people. Every single. Yeah. Actually, want to get into this with you, and this TikTok's probably a good as any segue for it. Mm-hmm. What did he sell? Like rug, rugby jerseys or something? Yes, he or? was sponsored by a rugby team somewhere. <laughs> like in America? <laughs> Just email companies and ask them if they'll sponsor your podcast. I'm not, shan't be doing that. So, okay, advertising. Yeah. Bunta Vista, your podcast famously does not have advertising sponsors so famously. so you guys have your patreon and that helps pay the bills helps pay you guys for your time um the only thing you have closest to an ad on the mainstream is an ad for the patreon yeah that you guys have, which have yeah and then that goes away if you you pay patreon so like the, yeah. the only disincentive we have like 
I would say for the ordinary person, an hour a week of our podcast is the yeah. perfect amount of it. Like the, the most people could probably just be like, well, I'll just stay with the free episodes. Yeah. This is great. Then uh, you get an ad, a 30-second ad in the middle of uh, the free episode that says, hey, by the way, we have a Patreon and you get a bonus episode. Mm-hmm. And then there's a one and a half to two and a half minute long teaser that goes in that same feed that's like, here's a funny thing from one of the bonus episodes, hopefully. Uh, and then maybe you want to get that. It's all gravy. It's barely an inconvenience. Like, it's not like the podcast that kind of break up a 40-minute episode into six parts with ads in between. Yeah. And I, I wanted to ask, like, I imagine you guys would be batting away those advertiser requests like flies, like, fairly regularly. I think a tiny handful of them. Now, yeah. I think the fact that we're not on any existing podcast network probably yeah. does. It's, it's like we don't really have any notoriety. We don't advertise mm. anywhere. We don't. Like, the only place you can find out about us is on our own website, you know. So, we're, we're relatively off the grid. <laughs> I mean, it's on the internet, so obviously it's on the grid. But, like, we don't have a particularly high profile, which means we get to avoid a lot of that stuff. And when we do get offers, they're generally either automated or it's a surprise to us. We're just like, hey, yeah. how did you... Why are you trying this now? <laughs> Yeah. So, like, the, you know, evil robot that parachutes in from HelloFresh uh, to every yeah, yeah, like, yeah. to every podcast company isn't, like, banging down your door, like, you know, stuffing you through the... has not approached us at this point. Uh, <laughs> although, you know, a year ago I would have definitely have taken a free mattress if there was one on offer. But, but <laughs> picturing like... you guys, like, driving to work every day, there's, like, a bunch of old, like, Buicks following you around. <laughs> it's, like, all the guys from Squarespace just, like, just dressed do it. up. One ad read. Like, 1950. These detectives just like <laughs> not quite thankfully he's gonna break <laughs> well i mean we've been in a lucky position where we have had jobs up to this point where we don't have to do anything which we would find personally embarrassing mm. uh which i think is the only reason that we wouldn't say yes to any of this like ethically yeah. like oh someone wants to give us a ton of money sure i'll take a ton of money yeah but holy fuck having to do like having to do an ad read or having to just sort of be like those ones where it's automated, where they just they fill your ads with area specific ones or whatever. Yeah. The risk that it's going to be something fucking awful or whatever. None of us could sustain that. It's it's cringe. It, is what it is, babe. It's chuggy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I feel possibly. Look, I I don't know where how I feel about this stuff because I have this kind of like moment of like yuck. When you're listening to a podcast and you can hear them correct themselves on how they feel about stuff because it may in some way impact their sponsorship. Or on the flip side, when they're talking about something kind of heavy and then suddenly sports bet ad comes on or whatever, like a fucking gambling ad or whatever. And it's like, man, that kind of sucks yeah. <laughs> like, that kind of sucks and I might be eating my words in you know a couple of years time or something if I like want to be going down that road and lord knows I have done my own brand partnerships before yeah. lol but like I don't know I, I feel like for podcasts it is uh, it's a it's a tricky one yeah I mean like just to as a relevant example yeah. you're not being asked to spruik Apple products on the podcast yeah. in any sort of a like that yeah. it's being forced into insincerity that is the yes. the issue. Like yeah. more than anything else, having to change your position on something or to curtail how you would normally talk about it or whatever. Like, yeah. <laughs> some uh friends of mine 
Tom Walker and Demi Lardner, who do the podcast, BigSoftTitty.pnt, yes. yeah, yeah. uh, they are on a podcast network that fills it with automated ads. Uh-huh. And they are borderline actively trying to get themselves, like, taken off advertisers' lists. <laughs> like, they express near contempt for the ads. Every time there's an ad break coming up, they're like, fuck whatever this is about to say. Like, that's so that's, good. But somehow is still working out fine for them. So I guess they've yeah. got the best of both worlds there. I did have one thing that was kind of, I'm sure you've seen this on the internet. This is a roll on from those TikToks, like mm-hmm. the hustle and grind culture ones. And it's about how that kind of culture, like, created a tulpa of a guy that, like, you know, basically <laughs> ruined his life so publicly on the internet that he just, like, deleted all of his social media. Have you heard of the guy that quit his $100,000 job a year to work for Logan Paul and gets rejected um, in yes, a video? Yeah, Do you yeah, remember that happening? Yes, 100%. He was a TikToker. Yeah. He was, like, a hustle and grind TikToker. That was like, oh, well, I've got to do this thing. It's like a big romantic gesture. He followed Logan Paul to Las Vegas, tracked him down and was like, bro, I quit my job for you, bro. I want to work for you. Be my mentor, bro. And Logan Paul was like, I... let the record. I did not ask anyone to do this. Yeah, uh, this lawyers will talk nowhere. to you later. No. Like this is fucked. And Logan Paul's a fucking twit. Yeah. And his oh, the man's brother. Ass. He's dumb as shit. This video, funniest but also kind of darkest thing in the world. Oh, this, so dark. This guy really like had obviously absorbed so much of this culture that he really thought that like doing this big, like he's, this is the, like the hustle bro equivalent of standing outside the girl's window with the fucking stereo yeah. above your arm, like John Cusack being but like, like, while you're doing it, she's fucking someone else. And yeah, she's exactly. just like looking out being like, Oh, I'm very busy. But the whole idea as well that like, uh, as you said, everyone, uh, but the way it's, it's specifically directed at people. This whole hustle and grind is like that you are the special individual who has the effort, like you have the will to make this happen. So it's it's sort of marketed in a way that makes people think, well, this doesn't apply to the chumps that I know who are too busy having fun. It applies to me, but really the you is millions of people. But then also you have these parasocial relationships with people like Logan Paul who they traffic in, which all podcasts do essentially in making the listener think they are the one person that it's to, which makes people think you kind of lose the sense of scope there. So, you know, we make a podcast where we talk on average to, I think about probably 6,000 people regularly listen to the podcast. You try and make it so it sounds like you're talking to one person, but really it's one of 6,000 people. When you are Logan Paul, it's one of like a billion people. Like, you know, it's like that... Yeah, that, but they hear that and they think, well, this is to me and I'm uniquely qualified to do this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make a grand gesture, not realising that they're essentially they're just a cog. They're a tiny little cog in that. They're a little little number. They are a customer. Yeah. Not part of the story. It's the same way that, like, Target doesn't have, like, one person with, like, well, if they came in, you know, we would make them CEO. Like... <laughs> Well, I mean, that's how it worked for our parents' generation. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, you start <laughs> walk, a trolley boy and then you... Walk, walk into Target, give him a firm handshake. <laughs> if this generation of parents will stop giving the... Just give your resume to every shop at the mall, like... I've got such a good um, tweet that I wanted to read out to you. Screenshot from a Facebook 
post written by like an older woman in a Facebook group. I accepted a job at Wendy's. Well, what? That's crazy. You already have a professional career. Here's the thing. What society is letting happen right now isn't working. Every place is understaffed and no one wants to work. I'm doing my part by taking on an additional part-time job. I saw this one. So that the economy doesn't come to a screeching halt. We will all be sorry if us as an American community lets that happen. And you know what else? The general manager was so gracious from my perspective. He's happy to hire someone doing this for the greater good as opposed to doing it only because they have to. So on Saturdays, Sundays, and some weekday nights, come see me at Wendy's on State Street. (laughs) That's, like, it's psycho. (laughs) Overarching, completely psycho (laughs) from top to bottom. (laughs) You're not saving the economy by being one person taking a Wendy's job. But, like, can you imagine how insufferable that person would be to work with? Where you'd be like, hey, you actually just, you you didn't load those things into the fryer correctly. Like, you've just fucked that up. And they're like, oh, well, I actually work in marketing. So, oh, and you're God. Like, the amount this person would be reminding you that they don't need to be there. Yeah, 100%. They'd be like, oh, I'm actually a qualified professional. Another would be like, well, that's great. But you also just gave those three people the wrong order and you took 20 minutes to oh, do it. Oh, God. And she would just be cruising around the like Wendy's being like, I've actually got some great ideas on how to like optimize the workflow here. <laughs> These processes that are done at like Wendy's HQ, yeah, like, like thousands of kilometers away. That and- have been tried and tested like millions yeah. of times. She's like, have we ever tried using Trello before? <laughs> so I'm pretty sure I'm kind of management material. Like, Well, you haven't actually worked out how to flip the burgers without breaking the patty yet. So maybe just like wait a little while. <laughs> that is just like a, that is a belief in a world that is, extremely silly it is so silly top to bottom it is it is also my favorite kind of meme of this kind because it's so just like a like a balls out crazy person yes (laughs) desperately there's nothing altruistic about that at all it's so odd Okay, so we've come to the second last segment of the podcast called comfort food. What is your white noise, your comfort food? When your brain cannot absorb any nourishing content, what do you turn to? Resin pouring videos, horrible little TikToks. I want to see the innermost sanctum. There's a lot, uh, (laughs) all of it like equally as boring. Like I am a huge fan of... There's like four or five specific guys on YouTube who do, uh, they make dioramas and paint like miniatures and stuff that Mm. I find particularly satisfying to watch. Oh, cool. So this is, uh, yeah, one of my favorite guys is like Czech. He has the most inscrutable accent. Uh, Like some of his things, they just don't register it when you hear them as like a sentence in English. And like, (laughs) so there's a bunch of these guys that I love. And so it's all like uh, public domain music and stuff that he uses. He's just so good. This is sick. So does he just do like war stuff? Yeah, it's all like World War II dioramas and miniatures and stuff. And like he's just absurdly detailed. Like he takes these miniatures kits and he's like, well, these aren't detailed enough. And then he has a ton of stuff in there. But like unlike most of the guys I follow that do this, uh, the other guys I follow are also bone dry. But this guy 
well, like, there's one video where he spends, like, the first minute and a half... And then he's like, and then you decide it looks like garbage. And then you throw in bin. And then he just like throws <laughs> it away and then just starts again. And you're like, oh, all right, he's having fun with it. That's nice. Absolutely love this genre of YouTube video. It's so good. It's so sick. There's this guy called um, Luke Towen that makes oh, yeah. these like. Boulder Creek Railroad. Yeah, yeah he's Creek. one of my guys. He's a guy. Yeah, he's yeah. the freaking guy. I'm like, when he whips out the airbrush to do the like glue, like and water he's got feature. His static grass applicator. The static doing, grass applicator. Yep. He like mixes the colors of the grass to make like a more realistic finish. Oh my God. Building some really unhealthy parasocial relationships with oh Luke Towen. I'm like, oh, it's my friend Luke. Lovely <laughs> from man. Boulder Road. Who I think is from either Townsville or Cairns. He's a commercial pilot, I believe. He is. <laughs> well, oh my yeah, because I saw one of his dioramas had like a Bushels tea advert in it. I was like, oh shit. My question to you is Have you ever done miniature yeah, buildings before? Oh, do, yeah. do you do it? Uh, I mean, if, I don't really have any spare time at the moment, but if I did, it would be the first thing I'd be doing. I, <laughs> So last year or the year before, I got really into this. Uh, it's like a tabletop miniatures game uh, called Gaslands, mm. which I fucking love, which is like this uh, one man in England, Mike Hutchinson, his name is, made uh, a rule set for like a Warhammer star style tabletop game for doing like Mad Max kind of vehicular combat. And obviously he's just one man, so he didn't make a range of miniatures for it. But the whole idea is that you buy Hot Wheels or Matchbox cars and then you sort of modify them to look like post-apocalyptic sort of wasteland cars and like unlike every other miniatures hobby where everything costs a million dollars a hot wheels car that costs you two bucks and you just like buy that and then you put some rust on it put some guns on it and shit i got really into that in a big way that's cool honestly the best just like a weird combination of like massive range of existing cars very cheap so you'd be like oh it would be cool to make a mad max style dodge charger you just find one. It costs you like two bucks, and then you just do it. Damn, that's such a good idea. It's the best. The game is also very fun, which helps. But, like, yeah, that I got really into it a big way because it's very relaxing, you know? You're just, like, sitting there. Like, it's a process. Yeah. And, like, it's a process where you can develop your own little systems for doing stuff. Like, that's why I really like Boulder Creek Railroad is that he really – he is inventing different ways of doing things. And watching <laughs> someone use specialised tools to do a specialised job constantly, oof. It's like, about, like, as good as life gets. Ultra competently. Like, yeah. you, I see Luke Towen and then I watch other, you know, miniature building videos and I'm like, oh, they cannot. Amateurs. Amateur hour. Yeah. I mean, are we really using pure blue paint <laughs> for this water? We're not muddying it up at all? Like, are we aiming for realism here, guys? Because I don't think we are, honestly. Um, I That guy is fucking hilarious i'm gonna drop some clips in i want to watch some of that plasmo Um, plastic models uh he's he's very good like he did one specifically uh that was like a um i think he was doing a sort of diorama of a small section of chernobyl with like a 70s 80s russian tank in there uh truck sorry and it is just like every time i think he's done he's like and now we're adding even smaller details i'm like yes keep going keep going until we do this i know it really is just this very like nice kind of voyeuristic experience, right? Yeah, and it's yeah, it's, it's something very comforting about it. Like uh, it's seeing someone be the absolute master of their domain. Like this is just a little world they have perfect vision and control over. Where you're like, yes, that's very nice. It is, and I, I am jealous of people that can choose one thing. Oh my god! Yeah, 
How nice would that be? I like I, I love being bad at lots of things rather than being good at one well, see, thing. Well, conversely, I think of you as being a person who has a thing person. Like, Aw, thank I, you. Like, I'm always fucking jealous of people where, like, you know, you're a fashion designer and an artist and you have made that your life. And I'm like, God damn, that's what it would be like to be good at something. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, I think that the thing that I'm probably best at is maybe communicating that I'm good at it, not that I'm actually good at it. That might be the key thing. <laughs> Fuck. Um, thank you for showing me that, like, very uh, private um, world. I feel like you don't really know anyone until you see their, like, YouTube Explore page. So. Oh, man, mine is just a, it's a shambles. Uh, I'm a huge fan of um, people that go to, like, different cities or different landmarks and strap GoPros to their head and then just walk around and film the walking video for a couple oh. hours. Uh, wow. Okay. So it's like a POV, like walk yeah. through Pompeii or whatever. Yeah, hundred percent. I watched Sick. it fucking did a little Angkor Wat one the other day. Uh, I've watched one of someone walking around the, the Great Pyramid at Giza, like a ton of times. I keep going back to that one. Wow. Uh, I did one in Machu Picchu the other day. That was pretty fucking cool. But, like, yeah, I just, I kind of realized that you can just Google, like, 4K, which I don't even have a 4K TV. I just mean, I know it means they've done it with a good camera. Like high res, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, city name, walking tour, and a video of that exists. So every now and then I'll just be like, all right, we're doing Paris, let's go. Sick. Yeah. I think that's what people thought the Oculus Rift was going to be like. Uh-huh. Do you know what Set. I mean? Yeah. They're like, oh, why not visit uh, Hon 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 Paris? Yeah. Like, or, you know, let's learn how to do surgery, but like in real time with our real hands. Yeah. And then it was just like, what if you were in the ugliest game ever made? What if you were on a <laughs> roller coaster? And then what if we did 25 versions of that roller coaster game? It's... What if Half Life sucked? Yeah. <laughs> At least with YouTube, the like the dream of every possible thing you could possibly want to look at is on there in some fashion. That was yes. realized. Like, thank we got God. that at least. I, this is my hobby replacement. Comfort food for me is like, I no longer have a hobby. Everything that I used to enjoy, I've now found a way to ruin or monetize, yep. um, mm-hmm. <laughs> including podcasts now. Um, Congratulations! Which was, thank you so much. <laughs> and so the the kind of weird like corners of the internet that have those kinds of videos and specifically videos I think kind of yeah like quiet the mind a little bit yeah. and that's that's nice to have methodical procedural just like you know it's leading to something Yes, we have a deliverable. (laughs) We are goal-oriented people. (laughs) And you know you'll reach there at the end and you'll say, I'm glad I watched the steps that led us to that point. Thank you for sharing your comfort food. That was awesome and I cannot wait to meet my new Czechoslovakian friend. He's the best. You honestly, (laughs) you will learn to love him extremely quickly. Me and Plasmo. Okay. (laughs) So... My darling friend, Ben, thank you so, so much for being here. I just am so, so grateful for you to come on the pod. We've got last segment called What's My Rate? This is the only podcast in the world that truly values the time and expertise (laughs) of our guests. And as such, each guest gets paid for their appearance on the show. There's only one hitch. It's up to you, the guest, to decide how you get paid. 
Here at Don't Worry It's Not Just You, we use the industry standard compensation types. Exposure, trade, cold hard cash or a cold hard slab. There is no such thing as a sure thing in freelancing and as such, this is a total lucky dip. Ben McClay, you have selected trade. I have, yes. Why pay the bills when you could receive a weird gift at much lower value instead? Mm -hmm. This felt like the safest option as it means you can finally stop receiving emails from me. I give you a voucher for a paint and sip class. You hate this trade. After much deliberation, you and a friend decide to go to this thing for a laugh. You show up on a Thursday evening only to discover that the purchase is still under my name and you can't transfer ownership of this voucher to a new person. You're already there, so you just end up buying a spot for you and your friend. My podcast ended up costing you $60. We never speak again. This is actually the uh, second time that it will have happened to me. Uh, essentially, I bought, I have paid for paint and sip once in my life, and it was for a voucher for my then girlfriend who never used it. <laughs> never willingly spent money at a paint and sip on something that I wanted to do. <laughs> Well, so I'd given this some thought. Oh, please. And I don't know if this quite, if the maths quite works out on mm. this, but I was thinking of electing trade. Would you come on board to Vista oh. for an equivalent oh. podcast appearance? Oh, my God. I would absolutely love that. Oh, Thank then. you. Fuck yeah. That, would, yeah that would be so good. Oh, thank you so much, Ben. Okay. Um, once again, I have not written any kind of wrap up for this episode. Um, we have gone through a lot of topics today, but Ben, I wanted to give you the opportunity to do a plug. I hear you've got a live show coming up. Yeah, uh, as of right now, we have exactly nine tickets left uh, and I don't know if any of them will still be available uh, by the time you finish editing. But uh, yeah, if you want to check out Buena Vista, buenavista.com slash tickets. Uh, that's where the, the live show is. Oh, and check out, uh, I believe we're doing a double feature of 70s crime movies on December 10th uh, yes. for your art show. Ah, oh, the art show, yes. Oh, yeah, that is my plug. So I have a uh, group exhibition that I've curated with former guest uh, Sam McKenzie, who will former only be known... possible future guest, who As knows? guest of the pod, Sam McKenzie. Uh, we have curated this incredible movie poster art show in the format of the old Australian day bill, like those tall and slender, gorgeous like, lithograph posters. Day bill scale posters, my immediate right right here. I know, they're right, right catch. You're going to get to see them before anyone else does. They oh, arrived today. I'm so fucking excited. I, I'm so, it's so exciting. So we've got the show happening on Thursday next week. It's happening at Netherworld. Uh, and then the amazing, wonderful people at 2Bit Movie Club, including Ben, have put on a double feature to happen alongside the show. So don't miss out. Um, make sure you follow us on the socials or just, you know, click through any of the links. You'll find it. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening to uh, episode three of Don't Worry, It's Not Just You. I love you. And um, uh, Ben, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much. What a privilege. <laughs>